This is the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast, Episode 5. The thing that blew me away most was that 41% of all of our sales came from the marketing that we control after our customer's initial purchase. When I saw this, I knew it was something that most Amazon sellers were not even aware of. Welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. Welcome. Today, we're talking about the 41% rule on the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast, Episode 5. What is the 41% rule? Kind of curious, right? Well, when we first started on Amazon, Seth and I, since I had a background in direct response, we approached our Amazon business with the idea of creating a relationship business, building a customer list, and then scaling our business by leveraging that customer list. And the result was 41% of our sales overall came from what we now call post-purchase marketing. Yeah, Sean. So post-purchase marketing kind of... uh totally changed the way that we <clears throat> approached our business. Um, it didn't really change it from our perspective, but it changed the way we viewed it because of all the people we, we were meeting at these Amazon conferences <clears throat> and how when we would start talking about building a customer list or you know creating a re- or an insert or writing emails, everybody, everyone's eyes would just close over because they had no like connection to that at all. That wasn't even on their radar. I mean, you remember going to Vegas and sitting there with thousands of other Amazon sellers and us trying to talk about what we were doing and there was no connection. You remember that? I do. I remember having conversations with seller after seller about what we were doing and they looked at us like we were crazy. You know, I kind of, I felt pregnant almost for a moment because, (laughs) you know, ignorantly, Seth, we approached Amazon in a way that we assumed any other business person would approach it. But at the end of the day, most sellers that we were interacting with and you know, early on, this was kind of their first entrepreneurial experience, their first business. Uh, a lot of folks still even had their day jobs. And you know, we when we go to Vegas looking for advice, we find out pretty quickly that we are the top 1%, which is not bad. Um, obviously, we were sharing our success and our, our strategies with others. But, you know, when we discovered the 41% rule, it was like, it was so profound that when you discuss that with other sellers, they were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what do you, you mean? You don't have a customer list? You're not marketing or remarketing to your customers? Well, no, who does that? And it was just, it was crazy. So that's what we're talking about, the 41% rule. So what, what's your favorite part of, of the now, the, the coined phrase, the 41% rule, Seth? Well, Sean, I like that the 41% rule, you know, kind of stands for 41% of our sales come from uh, post-purchase marketing or the marketing that we do after the initial purchase. But one of the best parts of the 41% rule is that it makes our business much, much more profitable. Because if you think about it, if you're remarketing to the same customer in an almost free format, like we're capturing the email and then sending out email marketing messages for the bulk of our post-purchase marketing, then that means that we're not paying to acquire new customers. We're not having to buy ads or 
to try to get ranked on Amazon, we already have that customer. And that's where you gain such a huge advantage because Amazon's great at sending you traffic or allowing you to buy traffic in most cases, but they try to restrict you in a big way from contacting that customer in the future. But just think about if every single one of your customers was likely to come back and buy another product from you or another unit from you with no incremental marketing or no incremental cost to acquire that customer, your profit margins are, are way higher than what they normally are. So yes, 41% of our sales comes from uh, post-purchase marketing, but more than 41% of our profit comes from you know this re uh, kind of re-engagement of our customers. And that is what, you know, when we were talking with people um, early on, we didn't really realize that uh, most of the people in this industry are fresh new entrepreneurs that have never built and uh, and done direct response marketing. They've never built and maintained a relationship with a customer. So they didn't have any experience, which is fine. But still to this day, most Amazon sellers do not even look at re-engaging their customers. They're just trying to survive on what Amazon gives them every day. Sean, what do you think? Yeah, well said. And I think it's, you know, it's uh, something to note, maybe highlight, make a note of, come back and listen later. What Seth said was pretty crazy. That Yes, 41% of our overall sales came from post-purchase marketing, but a, a larger percentage of our profit came from post-purchase marketing because the cost of acquiring the customer, the cost of doing business, the cost of selling was dramatically lowered since we were able to tap into a customer list that we already had. You know, so in other words, we don't have to pay for advertising. We don't have to pay for marketing. We don't have to give the a percentage to someone to bring us the traffic, an affiliate, in this case, Amazon. So that was the, the most profound part to me. So yeah. the 41% rule, I think you have to remember, rings true across all brands, all businesses, all platforms. Are you ready for this, Seth? In our business, both physical and digital products, the same rule applies. Everyone's heard of the 80-20 rule. You know, 20% of your products create 80% of your revenue. 20% of your activities generate 80% of your income and so on and so on. It's true across the board in all industries. But the 41% rule is true for us in both digital or physical products, branded, non-branded, doesn't matter. If you're doing this business correctly or any business, 41% on average of all your revenue should come from everything that you do after the initial purchase. Yeah, Sean, what um, kind of happened was, you know, 18 months in, we're looking around at all the data that we had collected and we're like, you know, why is this going so much better than average? Uh, why are we growing at, you know, every single month we're nearly doubling our business. And we started looking at it. We're like, holy smokes, here's the differentiator. You know, when we first discovered the things that we were doing differently, um, you know, it was, it was uh, kind of like an epiphany. It was like no other sellers are doing what we're doing. The thing that blew me away most was that 41% of our sales came from all of the marketing that we control after our customer's initial purchase. When I saw this, I knew it was something that most other sellers were not even aware of. Like we came from a different industry. We came from direct response marketing where we spend money 
and we have to make a return on acquiring that customer. And we took acquiring that customer very seriously. So when we started Amazon, we just used or viewed Amazon as a customer acquisition funnel. We used uh, looked at Amazon as this is the gateway to a relationship with that customer where we're going to sell to them repeatedly. But most other Amazon sellers sell to their customers one time unless they get lucky and the customer happens to come back and buy from them. But we make a point to follow up with our customers and that makes our business so much more profitable, not to mention the fact that we get all of the, uh, you know, what we call side benefits or, um, you know, these things that happen when you send traffic back or back to Amazon. Sean, tell them a little bit about that. <laughs> exactly. You know, I remember vividly, Seth, when I first started selling on Amazon, I would look at my order history, download the, the orders and the transactions. I would see the name, the phone number, which is no longer there the address of my customer, and then some goofy-looking email address. It was like a string of 68 digits, you know, uppercase, lowercase with some goofy characters at Amazon dot blah, blah, blah. And I thought to myself, I was almost giddy. I was excited because I said, whoa, wait a second. I can see the value and have a name and phone number and the address. I couldn't wait to start sending. Are you ready for this? Now, this is going to date me a little bit. Sending actual messages through the snail mail with coupons to send folks back to my Amazon listings and even buy products off of Amazon. There's a reason, Seth, why Amazon refuses to share all of the customer details with us. Because at the end of the day, that is one of the most valuable assets in their business is their customer list. There's a reason why Amazon frowns on reaching out to customers through their platform, asking for reviews, asking for repeat orders and so on. There's a reason why you can't see the actual email address because it's highly valuable. So we immediately started harvesting our customers' real email addresses through product inserts and use those inserts to drive 41% of our revenue. It's ridiculous. And think about the magic of sending traffic back to your Amazon listing, it gives you more sales, right? Better organic ranking because you're sending high quality traffic back to Amazon that converts. You end up with more reviews, right? It's like the self-reinforcing flywheel that you always like to talk about, Seth. With more sales, this means that our list is growing more and more, our email list that is, and the cycle continues to support itself. This is more like, multiplication when you think about it versus addition, Seth. Yeah, Sean, this um, this flywheel effect where it's self-reinforcing uh, is something that I love because it doesn't really apply anywhere else. Like if you send traffic back to your Shopify store, well, you get one benefit and that's that, that sale that you got when you sent the traffic back. But if you send traffic back to Amazon, then you get the sale plus a little bit better ranking for every incremental sale. You get better conversion because you controlled that customer experience. So you move up in the ranks even more. And then you have an opportunity to ask your customers for reviews, which then increases your click through and conversion even more, which then moves you up in the ranks even higher. So you get more sales, which then leads to collecting more emails because you have more sales. So it is self-reinforcing. And that's, that's really why post-purchase marketing is so magical. But it only applies if you think long-term. Um, because most of your Amazon uh, competition, other sellers out there, if, if the strategy that they're implementing doesn't work today, 
um, or next week, they're probably not going to do it. But email marketing, just like Sean said, it's like multiplication. But when you start from zero, you know, you, it takes a little bit to get some steam. So the reason why it works like multiplication and it kind of looks like an exponential graph in terms of results than a linear graph is because the list builds on itself. And with a bigger list each and every month, you're able to move the needle or move your listing um, actually up in the search results more, which creates more sales, which then allows us to build a bigger list faster. So yes, in the beginning, it's slow moving, but over time, the results are, are stacking um, every month. And then because of the way that Amazon's algorithm works, it allows us to get bigger results than normal. You know, Sean, you call, you call uh, those super normal results sometimes, but um, that combination is what has made uh, post-purchase pro what we're working on every day. So exciting because you can get better results than what you should be getting uh, because you're sending that traffic back to Amazon. Sean. Yeah. You know, uh, if you continue Seth, and I know you've heard this several times. If you continue to do the same things that you're doing, guess what you're going to continue to get? <laughs> the same thing that you've been getting, right? So if you kind of remove yourself from the mainstream and do these type of marketing that we talk about and teach about here on this podcast, then you're going to get different results. Our goal for you is to be able to emulate the success that we've had using one simple strategy simply using post-purchase marketing. That is everything that happens after the initial sale in order to generate more sales, more reviews, better rankings, and a larger customer list. But let's take the, let's step back just for a moment. We're going to do a little what Seth calls mental math. All right. This is going to be a little bit difficult to understand, but bear with me just a moment as I try to put this in an easy to understand format. Let's just imagine that you're selling 100 units of whatever your product is each month. 100 units per month, just for sake of easy math. Well, 41 of those 100 units of those sales could be coming from post-purchase marketing, right? So without post-purchase marketing in this scenario, that means only 59 units are being sold per month instead of 100, okay? So if you implement the strategies that we're talking about here and next year you're selling 100 units per month without what we're doing, without post-purchase marketing, if that were not a factor, then you would only be producing 59 sales instead of 100. If not, then by simply adding post-purchase marketing, you could effectively increase your sales by 68%. 68%. Yeah, isn't that amazing that um, if you sell your product for $10, then it's like gaining an, an additional $6.8 or nearly $7 in profit per sale because remember, you don't have um, any additional selling costs. So you can increase your sales and profitability by you know 68% with the 48 or 41% rule. But Sean, before we uh, wrap this up, I just want to, touch on when we say post-purchase marketing, um, you know, what does that really mean? And what's the first step? And, you know, how does, how does an Amazon seller engage their customer? You know, what is, how are we getting the results to equate to 41% of the sales? I'm sure that, I'm sure that they're on the edge of their seat dying to hear that. 
Yeah, of course. So first thing, let's talk about some math, which is not a strong subject for me. We're all in the arithmetic business because we know numbers speak for themselves. But if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm going to add 41% to what I'm doing. Well, that's great, but it's not reality. 41% of what we are accomplishing in sales is from post-purchase marketing. So if you if you reverse the math, okay, if you take the, take the math and, and plug that into your calculator and go, okay, well, let's say I'm doing $100,000 per year. Well, 41,000 of that is coming from post-purchase marketing like it is for us. So we're not talking about a, a 41% increase in sales, although that would be amazing enough. We're talking about a 68% increase in sales. What would happen if you increase the sales in your business 68%? Let's let's see reduce to the ridiculous, okay? How can we make this a ridiculous figure? If I'm only half right, just half right, that means you can increase your sales 34%. If you have a $1 million per year business, and many of you do, that's like adding an additional $340,000 per year to what you're already doing. If I'm just half right, that's what makes it crazy. And when you hear numbers like this, these are not guru numbers. If I look at every business and track the sales results over time, I don't care if it's physical or digital. I don't care if it's delivered by UPS or by a, 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 a TP server, if those are still around. It doesn't matter. If you re-engage your existing customers to offer more of the same product, more similar products, complement products, repeat buyers or repeat orders and so on, you will increase your sales. Why does that work? It's because your existing customers already know and understand your business. They know, like, and trust your brand. They already have rapport with you, and they're human just like you and I. So they're more willing. They're predisposed to do more business with your brand because they already know what to expect. Seth? Yeah, that's funny, Sean. <laughs> I was just cracking up because you said, math isn't my strong suit, and then you and then you uh, jumped in there with the math. But, yeah, so basically – um, the, the, the reason why you get 68 or 69% in growth is because, um, in Sean's example of a hundred thousand dollars in sales, you're not like the 41,000 of those sales came from the post-purchase activities, but the base before that was only 59,000. So if you just take 41 divided by 59, you'll see the increase. So you're working off of a base of $59,000 in sales, not a hundred thousand. If you start with a hundred thousand, you're going to end up with 168 or 169 thousand dollars in sales. That's a massive chunk of business that you're missing out on if you're not um, reaching out to your customers after they buy from you. Sean said it best: the customers already know, like, and trust your brand, so they're the most likely person in the world to buy from you again, and they're most likely to do that right away. So you have to engage them immediately, Sean. Yes, thank you. Um, so for the math lesson, I apologize. I hope you understand what we're talking about here is massive. I mean, what we're talking about here is growing your business exponentially, which is, you know, a cool word that people like to throw around. But even if you increase it just a tiny bit and you don't have any increased cost of selling, that alone is massive, right? So anyway, 
Before you do anything else, after listening to this episode, I would like for you to like the episode, follow the episode, subscribe to the episode, share it with your colleagues, and leave us a positive review if you like what you're hearing. So this has been the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast, Episode 5. And on behalf of myself, Sean Hart, and my colleague, Mr. Seth Stevens, we'd like to say, until next week, do everything you can to orchestrate more sales through post-purchase marketing and stay tuned to the podcast. Take care, everyone.